0: This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. The English Digital online sales have changed the landscape of mixed Australian thoroughbred sales forever. Now, rather than wait for a mixed sale through the ring, owners, breeders and vendors can offer their product within a matter of days thanks to the twice monthly English Digital online auctions. English now presents an online auction in the middle of each month and another at the end. Since going twice monthly, the auction has averaged around 150 lots per sale and has exceeded a million dollars per sale with a clearance rate of almost 80%. To enter a horse or register a bid, visit englishdigital.com and follow the prompts or call 9399 When Toby Edmunds saw a loose horse at a recent Gold Coast track work session, he instinctively jumped in front of it in an endeavour to slow it down. Usually, a runaway horse will sidestep the person who's trying to stop it, but this one swerved towards Toby and actually trod on his foot. Even though the horse had slowed considerably, it caught the trainer off balance and hurled him onto the concrete. Toby was knocked unconscious and fears were held for his welfare by several onlookers who quickly arranged for an ambulance to take him to hospital. Thankfully, he escaped serious injury, although extensive tests revealed a slight bleed to the brain and he required several stitches to the back of the head. His recovery has been quite remarkable. Toby Edmonds was born and reared in Scone, where the thoroughbred is part of the local culture. He found himself deeply interested in horses at an early age and soon found himself learning the basics from local trainer John Noonan. Later, Toby spent valuable time with Neville Begg at Randwick, after which he was totally committed to taking out a trainer's licence, but not before he completed an apprenticeship as a motor mechanic. His training career started in the Hunter Valley and has subsequently taken him to a very prominent spot among Australian horse trainers. There have been a few twists and turns along the way, including that nasty accident at the Gold Coast. Let's see how Toby's getting on. He's online to talk to us. Toby, appreciate your time.
1: Morning, John. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, you're back at work and counting your blessings.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, look, I was in hospital for three or four days and, and, you know, really bad headaches and and the like. But um, fortunately, For me and everyone, you know, my family and everyone around me, it was um, not as bad as it could have been. Mm. And um, luckily I've recovered fully and, uh, you know, obviously the the wound hasn't quite healed yet, but certainly um, I've been back at the races now for a couple of weeks, Mm. travelling everywhere, Grafton, Coffs Harbour, went to the Sunny Coast and Brisbane, and up. So I've I've sort of stepped straight back into it, and and I just tried to try to work through it, which um, I think helps.
0: Mm. Tobe, most horsemen have jumped in front of a loose horse at some stage or another, or at least they've seen it happen to somebody else. And mm. nine times out of ten, those horses will duck away from you.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like um. Uh, look this horse was galloping down the concrete, and the problem the problem I saw was my staff were coming into the entrance of our tie up area mm. and and also the roadway is only like thirty metres after that, so um, this horse was was going pretty quick. I sort of jumped in front of him to and you know he was thirty forty metres away from me when I first started trying to slow him down, mm. which. Which was a bit animated, and he looked like he was going to. Then, when I realised he wasn't going to slow down or or he couldn't stop, I thought, "Well, I'll get out the road." Mm. And um, he he stepped the same way I did, yeah. and um, subsequently, I I nearly was clear of him, but he trod on my foot, which which tripped me up, and then went over the top of me and just my head hit the concrete. So mm. uh, I remember everything before it and probably I think I was knocked out for a little bit and then I remember walking to the ambulance. So, look, uh, I was very, very lucky and fortunate. Mm.
0: You and your son Trent are now training partners. You've got 90 horses in work on the Gold Coast and you tell me your daughter Jordan is also a key member of the team.
1: Yes, yeah, so Jordan, um, she's in the back end in the office every or every day and um, Trent's been working for us now for five or six years or close to seven years, I suppose. Mm. And we decided it was time for him. He's 29 in December. So we decided it was time for him to, um, take a bit more responsibility. And, um, we decided to, to join up as a father, son training partnership. And, um, seems to be working quite well. Uh, Probably our town stats aren't quite where we want them, but certainly our winning percentages are very, very good for the first few months of the season.
0: Well, Back to your early years in Scone, your mum died when you were just six weeks old and Mm. you were taken in by your uncle and aunt. Now, that uncle, Toby, you call him dad to this day, was Mm -hmm. Don Bandy Adams. He was a brilliant rugby league winger. In the nineteen mm-hmm. fifties, high profile. Yep.
1: Yeah, so uh, Dad or Bandy, as you as you know him uh, mm. quite well um, from your time watching rugby league, uh, raised seven seven children actually in Scone. Um, so how I come about to uh, being read by by my actual auntie and uncle were um, uh, David Adams. Mm-hmm. my um my eldest brother went to play for Manly and um and uh that left sort of a a vacant spot in the adams family if you could say that and they just offered yeah. to take me take me in and and rear me as as my father was um single dad and it was quite difficult for him to to get everything done that needed to be done um mm-hmm. with a with a with a single child so look um fortunate very fortunate to you know be able to grow up in a really stable um, family background, even though they're not my real, you know, my real parents, mm. but certainly, um, I was I, I was made feel like like I was was their own, which was great.
0: Mm. Don's rugby league career started with the famous Maitland Pickers team. He played for New South Wales Country. He played mm-hmm. three tests against New Zealand in 1956, and he yep. toured with the Kangaroos in 1956 57. And he scored eleven tries on that tour. He's eighty-five years old, Toby. You tell me, and going strong.
1: Yeah, look, he's probably uh, just struggling with a, with a couple of things now, as you as you do as you get get on in life. Um, but you know, he's been a really, really hard worker. As as I mentioned, both him and my mother raised raised seven kids, and and for a mother to be able to do that. Um, mm. Uh, is is testament to their work ethic and how how they do it i i get back in that in that era big families were a were a thing but um certainly take my hat off now having raised a couple of children to to my mother being able to look after seven kids but dad paid uh you know grew up grew up in maitland in um you know out in a place called um hinton or, or just just out the back of of, of maitland pay for the pumpkin pickers they were called. Maitland pumpkin pickers. Mm. Um, uh, represented Newcastle. Uh, represented um, New South Wales from there, I think. And uh, didn't actually go for, go and play for what was a Sydney team. At, at, you know, he, he hated Sydney. Mm. I believe he was. Um, he didn't like. He didn't like the city life. So he decided to stay there. And, and all his achievements were done from the country, which was quite mm. unusual. Although, although in subsequent times, these guys like Terry Panowitz and, and all those type of footballers that did it as well. So mm. um, it was, it was a, a really good effort for him to be able to do that.
0: I know you talk to him from time to time. Mm. I'd love you to tell him that you were talking to a bloke the other day who saw him play several times. I'm probably the only bloke you'll ever talk to who's old enough <laughs> to have seen Don Bandy Adams play. He was very bow-legged, Tobe. And you yeah. wouldn't think he'd be able to muster any speed, but by crikey, he was quick! I can still see him dashing up the wing at the Sydney Cricket Ground.
1: Yeah, well, look, I, uh, you know, when I do mention it to people, um, you're right—not not many people uh, know know of him. And but, but um, you know, the rugby league, like I'm good mates with Fatty Vought, and he's and he played at Manly with, when David was there. Um, they all they all know of him, and 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 most of the most of the football fraternity do, uh, but certainly not the uh, not not the younger ones. They've got to go back and have a look at it. And it's mm. good. Uh, it's good that someone can actually remember him and and um, and uh, get to uh, voice how they how they see him seeing play because there was no video, not much video around back in that day. So it's good.
0: Mm. Good to know. Was it Don who urged you to do an apprenticeship as a motor mechanic? You're actually fully qualified, aren't you?
1: I am, yeah, yeah. So I didn't have, didn't have any choice um, at that time. I was I just left year ten. Um, at that, you know, I'm 54. So back in them days, you had the option of leaving at year ten or going and on and doing year 11 and 12. I elected to leave. Mm. I I didn't, not that I couldn't do school. I wasn't that that committed, unfortunately. But um, certainly wanted to get out in the workforce and earn some money and try and, you know, get to wherever I was going to get to at that stage. I didn't really have a career path and I was working uh for a guy called Darren w- Darren McGuinness in Scone was a fruiter uh, he had a he had a fruit shop there and I was I was just uh working in the shop and next thing my dad come come in to me uh one afternoon he said look I've just got you an apprenticeship next door you've got to start tomorrow which mm. which was um at the Toyota um uh, at the Toyota franchise in Scone and um I basically said, Well, okay, so I uh, I'm a mechanic now, am I? And he said, Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I start I, I told Daryl McGuinness that I had to leave and uh, basically started there the next day. So Yeah. And I stayed there stayed there for five years, which was yeah. great.
0: Oh yeah, no regrets. Great to have behind you. And I'm sure yeah. there've been occasions over the years it's come in handy.
1: Yeah, yeah, from time to time. Like I know, um, we had our own truck when I lived in Scone and we blew a clutch one time and I was able to, you know, put that all back, you know, fix that up and and from mm-hmm. time to time um, I, 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 still, I can still do whatever I need to do if, if I've got mm-hmm. the time to do it.
0: Yeah. Your wife Donna of 29 years is a Scone girl and mm-hmm. she was by your side when you started out as a horse trainer when that old white park track was still in use.
1: She was and she's been a very staunch supporter. in the background. Uh, just now, you've noticed you mentioned Jordan um, and Trent mm. in the background. Donna still works for a bank, um, and she has done since she left school as well. Mm. Uh, not the same bank, but she, she, she's she's um, subsequently worked for a couple of a couple of different um, uh, banks or building societies. Mm. Uh, but she's always been in the background with us, um, whether it be uh, helping out with staff, helping out in the stable. She loves coming in and doing some. Um, stable work whether it be leading the horses for a swim or she doesn't muck out boxes naturally but certainly everything in and around what, whatever needs to be done she, she's great and she gets in and gives a hand and she's uh, very supportive
0: Toby I remember one of your very early horses and gosh you had some fun with him a horse called Bay Splendid he won 11 yeah. races and mm-hmm. 11 placings and every young trainer needs a Bay Splendid to get him going <sighs>
1: Yeah, well, he's probably. Um, so the first lot of horse I ever got was off Peter Snowden, and um, I had this filly, this mare given to me by Peter, owned by David Bath, mm. was a, a mare called Pensive Mood. She was my first ever winner. Yep. Um, I think she won with Barry Gattenby on her at Tamworth, and um, she won a Progressive or Intermediate or something over a sixteen hundred. Mm. I, you know, I really thought we'd won the Melbourne Cup that day. It was <laughs> such a great feeling, um, and. And then just after that, I'd, I'd got this uh, client called Ray Gore from Sydney who'd um, had a couple of horses at Tarunga Stud. And and um, he gave me this horse. Uh, he was a little little colt by Lounder Bay. He didn't look very big at the time. Mm. And he um, came to us broken in. And, uh, yeah, subsequently it was Bay Splendor, which, which um, he went on to be what he was. He was no champion, but certainly a great, great kickoff horse for me. And I learned a lot from him.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, with Donna's blessing, you decided to pull up stakes and head for the Gull Coast. How many horses did you start with and how did you find stables?
1: Um, look, stables, We eventually we kicked off over the Magic Means. Um, back then, Magic Means wasn't as big as what it was and we, we, we rented a, uh, a block of stables in there and then we moved to some privately owned ones as well. So, look, we, we come here with about 10 or 12 horses, I think, Mm. Um, and uh, you know worked worked awfully hard at the time we had. Um, Trent Jordan wasn't born; she was just about to be born. So, um, you know, Donna was working in the bank. So, look, it was a it was a real struggle and a juggle mm. uh, for those for those early. You know, about 1994, uh, 95, 96, really really tough times with with the kids both being very young and Donna working and me trying to trying to train horses on the Gold Coast. But um, good learning curve, if I could say.
0: You've mentioned Ray Gaul, who came into your life after you moved to the Gulf Coast. Ray, of course, has been the owner of many good horses over the years with the word yeah. Pedrill in their names. I think he was a former bookmaker, wasn't he, Tobe?
1: Ray was a bookmaker, yeah, and mm. subsequently um, got into a, um, a printing game. He got into the printing game and he's, he's – um, his uh, business was called Galloping Press, um, mm. and he and he had the orange orange colours with the white stars and striped sleeves. And mm. he's had, you know, he's had some really really good horses. But um, he was my biggest owner, and we we're still training for him for mm. him to this to this day. So, re- you know, really grateful for his help.
0: In two thousand and three, he made you a very tempting offer. You couldn't refuse it.
1: It's actually two thousand. Um, was it? Uh, yep. uh, yeah, it was in two thousand. So he asked me to come to Sydney from the Gold Coast mm. and train privately for him. So we thought long and hard about it. I didn't have to think long and hard about it. I, I wanted to. I wanted to train in Sydney if I could. And um, whilst um, Donna wasn't that keen on going, I certainly was keen. And um, and uh, we we made the move pretty quickly after after the offer.
0: Mm. At the two thousand and six English Classic Sale. You bought Ray a colt by Invincible Spirit from Cannarell, a mm-hmm. mare by Ladd. What did yep. you pay for I Am Invincible?
1: Okay, so um, Ray and Trevor Lobb had, had – uh, I think Trevor Lobb had told Ray that this is a really nice colt and Ray said to me, you know, go and have a look at him um, if, you, if you like him and which, you know, Trevor's got a good eye for a horse and – uh i think most of us were guided by him being Mm. being through woodlands and and whatnot and um ray sort of said to me if you like him you know spend up to 50 grand on him if you can if you can buy him for that that'd be great Mm. so ray doesn't like to stay out out too late he sort of headed home about midday and the colt was going through about three o'clock i think so he was home at tarrant point Mm. um at the time and and i i i bid it away up to sixty-two and a half thousand. so i was able to able to um, get him for 62 and a half. So I went twelve and a half and a half over the budget, which, mm. um, which was a no-no at the time. <laughs>
0: mm. Well, he's one of the most valuable stallions in the world today, a stunning-looking horse, and he must have been a standout yearling. I can't imagine how good he looked. You trained him for just four starts, Toby. You won one of them at Warwick Farm by a whopping big margin.
1: Yeah, first up, he's ridden my Aglin, actually, and and we all know Ty's, Ty's um, uh, issues at the moment. So wishing him, wishing him the best of luck. But look, he he won by six or seven lengths, I think. Um, and, you know, give him a toweling And it was a bit uh, Not that I didn't think he was a good horse at the time I, I knew he could gallop But he wasn't the best track worker And, and you know, it was a little bit unsound for a lot of it So we weren't quite sure And I think mm. he started quite decent odds that day So, um, you know, normally if ours, ours shows something Or look like they're going okay They normally start a bit shorter But uh, mm. anyway, he won well it's a, it's a really good effort
0: Toby, we'll just pause for a moment To clear a commitment on the podcast Back with you very shortly the Illawarra Turf Club turned on a day to remember at Kembler Grange on November the 23rd to bring down the curtain on a remarkable Everest Carnival. Mr Seawolf's win in the feature gave jockey James McDonald a unique double, the hunter and the gong in the inaugural year of the two new races. There'll be a few more highlights before year's end. Thursday December 12th we'll see the running of the Wyong Magic Millions two-year-old classic and the Magic Millions three and four-year-old Stakes. to Randwick on Saturday the 14th of December for the running of the time-honoured group two villiers and the half million dollar English nursery with the group three summer cup scheduled for boxing day keep an eye out for one of the popular night meetings at Canterbury Park a perfect venue for a Christmas party The show rolls on in New South Wales racing as an unforgettable 2019 comes to a close. Our special guest is Toby Edmonds and we're talking about a horse he purchased as a yearling, a horse later winning fame as I Am Invincible. You couldn't say he was an uncomplicated horse, Toby. He had pretty funny feet, didn't he, which required a lot of management
1: yeah so he was a like a horse was around 600 odd kilos with you know size two or three feet so you can imagine the the pressure and the stress that that they were they were getting through the daily grind and yep you're right uh our farriers had to work awfully hard on him or try to and uh you know we're fortunate enough to for the short time we had him to to get him to um to get him to where we got to i suppose i could say that and um You know, he had subsequent trainers after that, probably would have had the same issues. So, look, uh, he, he was just a horse with a stack
0: of ability. He only had 13 starts. He won five. He ran a couple of placings. He won a listed race. He won a group three. And he ran second to take over target in the Goodwood Handicap in Adelaide. That's the closest he got in a group one.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right, and it was a great run that day, actually, and and uh, probably just struggled to see twelve hundred out. I suppose he looked the winner for a, quite a way down the straight, I think, and um, you know uh, that was that was one of his highlights, I'd say.
0: One of your favourites in that time was Sentover. While you were training at Warwick Farm, you won six races with him, including one at Randwick, and the Tamworth Cup, which gave you a big buzz. And uh, his jockey that day, Tobe, just to remind you, was a very young Ben Looker.
1: That's right. Um, we were struggling for a rider uh, to ride anything uh, to ride him at, at uh, Tamworth actually, and mm. and um, Benny Looker was apprentice to John Shelton. He's very light, Ben. He mm. Still rides quite light these days. And uh, I rang Johnny Shelton up, and he said, "Yeah, you know, he can go over and ride him, no problem." So I have a Benny Benny coming. I like Benny. He's a lovely, lovely kid, and, and he's mm. always. Got a bit of, you know, a, a smile on his face. He's a bit cheeky and, and all the rest of it. And, and he's rode him like George Moore from the outside barrier. He went over behind them and mm. got all the luck and he, and, he, and he beat them easily. He was a, he was a terrific um, it was a terrific ride and um, very, very fitting for his owners. They stuck with me uh, through my suspension, actually, and, and left the horse with me, which was good. And... Um, was lucky to repay them with that with that type of win, and subsequently he'd been he come to the Gold Coast and won a Gold Coast uh, Magic Means Cup that horse. So look, he was he was really good for us and um, good for the owners as well.
0: Now you mentioned your suspension. Mm-hmm. The lowest point of your career came just before the outbreak of equine influenza, when one of your horses returned a marginally high TCO2 level. In fact, you were just a squeak over. And it wasn't long after uh, the authorities had introduced a new threshold. What was the difference, Tobe? It was literally a squeak, wasn't it?
1: I think so yeah so so I think um, one month before my uh, my positive in two thousand and seven it was the level was um, thirty six point two with w- Minus one or or less one or whatever they whatever mm. the terminology is. But so if he was thirty seven um, one at that time, he he he's uh, he was okay. Mm. Um, and, and one month on, he he, he was thirty seven one, and and subsequently the levels they reduced it to thirty seven. So mm. uh, yeah, I copped the suspension out of that and um, learned a lot from that actually. So um, sometimes you've got to. Uh, I suppose you uh, you learn from your mistakes and that was a mistake I made. We've since subsequently tidied everything up and um, things mm-hmm. are good.
0: You got a 6 months disqualification in the first instance, but you had mm-hmm. a very good result on appeal.
1: Yeah, we got reduced to 3 months suspension, which um, there's, there's not much difference between suspension and disqualification other than you can't go to the races and, and that sort of stuff. But look, um, the suspension happened to happen... Ha- uh, happened to fall right when EI fell. So look, um, I, I did my time during EI, which was which was um, very lucky.
0: Mm. Another surprise proposal changed the course of your life again. Mm. When Nathan Tinkler burst onto the Australian racing scene, he assembled an army of well-bred horses, and he yep. set up an empire seemingly overnight. John Thompson was appointed head trainer. And you were asked to manage the Gull Coast operation. How many horses were you responsible for?
1: Uh, in the initial, about 30 or 40. But um, Nathan had then bought uh, what is now known as Aquas Farm out at canungra which he could house, house as much as he wanted to. So uh, we got up to around numbers of 70 or 80 in work, I think. Mm. And, um, you know, that was that was another great learning curve as well. Um you know, learning to manage manage those numbers. Um, you know, obviously might, might have made some mistakes on the way, but certainly um, just uh, working with the amount of staff we had, and uh, you know, a, a business like Patenac at the time was growing, and um, you know, uh, everything about a big, big um, operation uh, was was really help, helpful, helpful, mm. helpful to me on the on the way through.
0: It's now history. The Tinklers' massive operation folded up almost as quickly as it started. In 2014, 1,600 horses were dispersed at two major fire sales. Mm. It was all over. An absolute train wreck for several people and a profound inconvenience for you. Now, Tabe, when you look back, it's only five years ago, seems longer, and here you are back on your feet with 90 horses in work on the Gold Coast.
1: Yeah, so uh, I actually didn't last through to to their fire sale. I I I was um made redundant in 2011, so I've had a little bit longer um to 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 get to this level, and it did and it's taken us some time. I I left there with three horses, um and we moved back into the Gold Coast from from the Canunga operation. Uh, Trent was actually working for us out there at the time. He decided that he wanted to go back to Sydney, so Peter Snowden was good enough to give him a job with um. Then Darley, who who Peter was head trainer there, and Paul, and um, they took Trent under it underneath their wing, and and um, he learned a lot off those, and, and spent a number of years there. So we moved back into the Gold Coast with three horses, and we've built, we've built on that ever since. Which was um, it's been difficult, really difficult, uh, but uh, challenging, and um, some good times have come of it mm. uh, in, re- in in recent years.
0: You got a terrific kick along when the famous Ho Stud. Uh, became a very valued patron. They wanted a Queensland trainer. How did that happen? Was Bill Mitchell involved in that?
1: He was Bill Mitchell um, and uh, Arthur and Harry, obviously from Yarraman Park. We I've known those guys since I was a uh, you know, eleven or twelve. So mm-hmm. um, we were training on the Gold Coast, or uh, Kevin Maloney's horses at the time were trained. By various trainers in Sydney, and as they were falling uh, out of out of the um, system in Sydney where they weren't quite good enough, uh, they needed to move them somewhere. So, fortunate enough, Kevin has family on the Gold Coast, and I knew Bill, and I was able to uh, get an association with those guys through that. And um, yeah, and we've uh, we've done a good job. You know, they've been training for them for five or six years now, and. Um, you know, they've had up to you know ten and twenty horses who work with us, and they're, they're great clients, and and really appreciative of this of their support.
0: Is it true that you bought Hootson on spec at the Magic Millions for one hundred and five thousand dollars, and you really didn't have an owner pre arranged?
1: know, yeah, no, we and that's that's even to this day when we buy horses, we don't normally have owners arranged. We sort of mm. spec them and and try and get them away. But yeah, you're right. We found Hootson. Um, uh, she was the f- on the fifth day of, of, of that year of the sale and uh, we were lucky to be able to buy her for 105000 She was a, um She wasn't very big and she was, but she was very athletic, very quick on her feet and um, mm. being by I'm Invincible sort of uh, I'd known about him and, and obviously knew, knew a lot about him. I trained his first stakes, went on the lot and she was the second season I'm Invincible. So, mm. yeah, we, we put our head on the chopping block and bought her.
0: Mm. What a two-year-old. You gave a one-barrier trial. She went to Doomban for her first start. She wins by four lengths. Second yep. start on the Gold Coast, she wins by four and a half lengths. Third yep. start is the Magic Millions two-year-old classic, and she wins again from the extreme outside barrier. Now, Tobe, despite that awful barrier, you were never not going to lead, were you?
1: Um, no, no. Uh... I must think like obviously Jeff Lloyd's involvement in this whole process um was was amazing because of his horse his skill and his his worldly knowledge and and uh, ridden everywhere, Hong Kong and, and 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 the wealth of experience he had. So look he um he had to plan out he wasn't gonna muck around. If she flew the lids, he was going to you know, he's gonna go across and, and lead and um control the race from there.
0: And uh, which she, he did. She totally did. did. Well, yeah. She didn't race again for about two months after the Magic Millions. Mm-hmm. First up, she wins at Eagle Farm. Gee, she liked a margin, four lengths, and mm-hmm. then down to Sydney you come for the Golden Slipper and you strike a heavy 10 track.
1: Yeah, so uh, to get back to that Eagle Farm run, they, they give us 63 kilos that day, mm-hmm. uh, big big weight, and I – I, you know, she only had a couple of weeks off at home after the Magic Man time. It's a very hot day that Magic Man day, and and it can it can dust horses uh, mm. if, especially a filly like her that gave her all in in that race. You know, mm. she was she was quite dusted after the race. She she ran hard um, from the from the outside barrier, and um, for her to be able to turn that around in, in two weeks off then get back get back up and win with 63 kilos as she did she didn't beat much which is which is fine but um on what is a really testing eagle farm track during that period it was it was you know they've since demolished that track and put a new one in mm. uh and it was a bit doughy that day so look she um she was dominant there and we knew we had it going pretty good going down to for the slipper and just unfortunately she struck that really really heavy track because i think mm. if if it was somewhat dry she was going that well you know she um she, you know, it was my, our best chance of winning, winning a slip ride uh, to date anyway.
0: Yep. Well, the next preparation, she won a Group 3 at Mooney Valley. The preparation after that, she won a Group 3 at Roundwick. She won a listed race at Doomban at the end of last year. She yep. was unplaced in the Magic Million snippets and then out she went for a long spell to get ready for her trip to England. Now, young yep. Trent was with her for many weeks, wasn't he, Toby, leading up to the King's Stand.
1: Yeah, Trent flew out in March with her actually, so we spent three months getting her ready over there. Great experience for him. They went to Newmarket, and um, we stayed. We stayed with Jane Chapelheim, who's um, who we all know, being the daughter of Andrew Peacock, and and um, uh, yeah, they were great. And everyone at Newmarket, including you know IRT um, or the International Racing Board. Fantastic, and 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 uh, helped us no end. And as I mentioned, it was a great experience for Trent to be able to uh, to get her ready over there, see all the tracks and the gallops and the different different ways of training. So um, he got a lot of experience
0: out of that. It's great. You were out of business at the start in the Kingstand Stakes when she knuckled over after going one stride, and yeah. you always believed that she simply tried to jump too fast.
1: Yeah. So uh, over there horses don't have to arrive until they're ready to ready to saddle up and go out, you know, and mm. when she, when she arrived on track, she was really hot. And, and, and um, if I had my time again, I think we would have given her a run, uh, to, b- before we run on the King stand, mm. um, which we could have run in the same, same race, but Tash ran in, um, two or three weeks earlier, which would have given me time to get her ready for the King stand. But when mm. she arrived on track, she was hot and bothered and, and a uh, big crowd, which is used to be crowds all her life, you know, obviously running in an Everest and running in the, in the slipper and at Mooney Valley, all that. So she's handled big crowds all her life and she always was quite adapt. But this, this particular day she was a bit, um, bit uptight and, uh, she went down to the barriers good and, and, and all that, but just anticipated the start, I think, and knuckle right over. And If you mm. get the, if you slow that, slow that up of it, you can see the, you can see her leg go right back underneath her. You know, she was quite lucky she didn't injure herself, but, mm. you know, to, to her credit, she picked herself up and, and still spread, sped through and, and, and led. But I think that just, just took its toll on her and, um, she finished unplaced, but you know, it wasn't for lack of trying. She was, um, mm. uh, she was good in game, but wasn't quite her day.
0: Six weeks later, she ran second in a race called the King George at Goodwood. Mm. That was a pleasing run. Then she had one more at the Curra, in which she was unplaced in a 1,000 metre dash, but she wasn't very far away, Tabe. I think she was only four lengths from the winner that day.
1: Yeah, so her run at Goodwood. Obviously, that, that the the run in the King Stand had had fitted her up nicely, and and uh, they rode her back in the in that race at the in the King King George, I think it was. They rode her back, and she she whizzed home nicely um, uh, to run second to Patash again. And um, uh, then at a third run in the UK, she was just uh, she wasn't far away, but um they decided to retire after that.
0: Mm. I believe she's now in the United States and she has actually been served uh, by curling, uh, obviously, to Southern Hemisphere time. Is she coming home?
1: I think she will in time, um, but, you know, Equisona are now outright, so there are immediate plans with her. I'm not quite sure, but, um, you know, I'd be very keen to see her will uh, up and going once once she has it because she make a great mother. She's a great type of self and, um, you know, was a uh, very – uh, gentle and um, feminine type filly which um, she'll make a great great broodmare.
0: Mm. Winter Bride has been a lovely mare for you. She's now a five-year-old, 24 starts, nine wins, seven mm. placings. She's won a couple of Group 3s at Caulfield in 2018. She won a Group 3 at Randwick. Uh, she ran in two very good Group 1 races only recently in Melbourne, finishing mm. seventh in the Manicato, Back a bit in the Moyer, but she had no luck at all in that one.
1: Yeah. She uh, she blew the start in the Moyer and, and still ran well. Uh, for the Manicato, I think, um, you know, that was probably a group one that she could have finished a lot, lot closer in, but uh, just the circumstances on the night around Mooney Valley just, just um, didn't quite go our way. Uh, but she's not far away from winning a group one. She, she heads to uh, New Zealand for uh, their two group ones on January 1 and 18, so she'll be over there in the coming weeks.
0: What a great horse for the stable Tyzone has been. He did all of his early racing in northern Queensland. He won 11 races up there. <coughs> you got him in March of last year. And <coughs> since then, he's won a gold market. He's won a couple of Doomban. He ran second in the Eyeliner, third in the Ramorny, fifth in the Wheatwood. And I saw him at Randwick one day, not too long ago, Tobe. He got, uh, finished officially eighth two lengths from the winner, and he was climbing all over him.
1: Yeah, didn't have much luck that day. Blake rode him and, and, you know, got him into a beautiful spot. He just never got a clear crack at them at any stage. And, um, look, he finished off super that day and um, subsequently come home, um, won the BRC sprint after that Mm. with Blake on him again. Blake was, you know, fortunate enough to have the ride on him at, uh, at, randwick mm. um got to know the horse a little better and then he just rode him beautifully at um at of the day he won the brc sprint mm. and then he came out and ran second to um to james cummings horse in the uh in the strad broke and that was that was his last run of that preparation which mm. which was a great prep for him and um you're right he's been a great pickup horse for us coming down from um uh
0: northern queensland yeah,
1: yeah, North Queensland. Tom Headley, a big owner up there, and you know races a lot of horse horses in and around Cairns there. So mm. it was it was great great to get one of his horses and be able to um, uh, get get him to where he's got to.
0: Mm. He ran second to trekking in the shradbreak.
1: He did, yeah, and um, yeah, he gave his all that day. was wasn't quite good enough. Tommy Berry rode him, gave him a great ride, and uh, mm. yeah, he he was very gallant in defeat.
0: Now I was talking to Trent the other day. I asked him to just. Throw a couple of names at me for the immediate future, uh, for our punting listeners, and he tells me you've got a pretty good opinion of a three-year-old called Battle Strike, who's won one from four so far, but looks pretty promising.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a nice horse. Uh, he's by Shooting to Win, out of a really good, really uh, sharp family, and um, he's progressing nicely. He ran second um, second the other day in a, in a high-quality um, three-year-old handicap. Um, he'll run this weekend, uh, on his way through to the Magic Man, um, three year old guineas, hopefully. So, but he's he's a nice, progressive horse, really good type, and um, we like him a lot, yeah.
0: Trent also mentioned the drinks cart,
1: but yeah. he's an interesting story of the drinks cart. So, he's our he's one of our top Magic Man chances at the moment. a uh, few haven't stepped out yet, obviously, but certainly, um, he stood up at his first run, he was a uh, June come through the June sale, um, was picked up for two thousand by by his clients, and okay. uh, uh, you know like uh, yeah. you don't hear the don't hear these stories much, but uh, he's come from, from, through from a June sale to to run early December, and um, you know I just been up with him this morning and and having a good look at him. He's he's a powerful big horse, and he even though he's two, um, he looks like a three year old. So uh, they're they're the type of horses you want. You don't want those. Little horses that need to mature, you sort of need those horses that are, are mature for their age to, to be competing in those those type of races.
0: Now, Tabe, you said $2,000 was the purchase price.
1: Yeah, so Rick Jamison from Gilguy Farm actually bred him and put him through the sale. I think they you were know, hoping to get a get a bit of money for him. Um, obviously, his x-rays weren't too flash and uh, they couldn't have got a bid, you know, because Rick ended up buying him back for two grand and... and um, Subsequently, races, races for some some of his family and and uh, in the women's syndicate. So, mm. yeah, he's been he's been uh, he's a lucky one.
0: You've already paid tribute to Jeff Lloyd, who retired in July of this year, after yep. a forty-one year riding career, which mm. brought him five thousand five hundred winners. You played a major part in his four Brisbane Jockey Premiership successes. You had great rapport with him. Now, as I said, he retired in July, but he still gets to the track a few mornings a week. yeah, and you stunned me the other day when you said he rode in six barrier trials for you one day last week.
1: Yes, yeah, so last Monday he um he's got a bad knee as well, and he and he um our racing manager Alex sort of put him down for six trials, which I didn't think he'd be able to do, and he and he he got through those six with, with these, you know, he's um, credit to his to himself, and he's, um, you know, his age and and everything. He's just a mar- marvel, uh, marvel to be able to keep doing what he does at his, you know, we keep going back to age. I suppose it's only a number. It's how you feel, and and, mm-hmm. and he obviously feels like he still wants to do that type of thing. So we're mm-hmm. we're really really lucky and and happy to have him working with us, and um, hopefully that continues on for another couple of seasons.
0: Well, both of his sons, Zach and Jaden, are apprentice jockeys. Uh, young Zach is a little bit behind Jaden, of course. Jaden's already ridden some winners, but what a great interest uh, for Jeff yeah. and Nicola.
1: Yeah. So you know, Jeff. Jeff's family are his life. You know, he um, I'll give him that. He's he's everything revolves around the, those two boys and Nicola and and Taya, his his daughter also, but certainly these these two boys, um, they got a career path. They have got to follow their fa- try and follow their father, uh, which is going to be very difficult for them because. You know even though he's south african born, he's he's very well known in Australia, and um, you know unlike Darren Biedman, who had Mitchell, um, you know everyone wanted want Mitchell to be like Darren, but certainly these two boys um, they're built built beautifully, they got oh sorry, Zach's built built so well for a jockey, Jaden's a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. and um but manage, he'll manage his weight well. he's more in the more in the mold of chad, he's his um his uncle. Or his cousin Chad Schofield, um, so he's more in Chad's mould. But Zach is in—he's uh, got the—he's got the, the mould of Jeff and won't have any trouble with weight at all.
0: Well, Toby Edmonds, when that horse knocked you over at the Gold Coast track work about a month ago, I sure as hell didn't think I'd be doing this podcast with you today. It's just so good uh, to hear you sounding clear and concise. You've obviously escaped what could have been a very very nasty accident and I really appreciate your time on the podcast. Keep up the good work.
1: No, thanks, John, for having me, and, um, and um, um, yeah, you're right, and I've dodged a bullet there, and hopefully, uh, you know, for many years to come we can continue doing what we're doing.
0: And this podcast with Toby Edmonds was brought to you by Supernova Sound. Podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing, and Ingress.